Kia ora and selamat datang to the Melanin Rising Colorism Panel Talk. As a small group of us gather virtually to share our lived experiences and the lifelong impact skin discrimination has had on our communities and through our generations, I would like to acknowledge the courage and strength that my panel here today bring as we unpack our stories and begin our discussion. On my panel today, I have six incredible people. All of them bring their own unique perspective, but have so much in common. Now, I think it would be really great if we all went around the room, starting with Anna, and if you could all just give a brief introduction of yourselves. Kira, uh, I am Anna Panampalam. I am a biologist um, at the University of Auckland. I research on uh, periods in pregnancy. As um, as a South Asian, as a Tamil Sri Lankan, I've experienced colorism all my life, and I've also been outside of my paid work. Um, I volunteer a lot in the community. I've been in uh, governance boards of uh, NGOs um, for mainly immigrant and refugees, women of color, experience domestic violence, for example, uh, and also a committee member at Pacific Women's Watch um, in New Zealand. Hi there, good day. My name is Amalin Sadananda or Amalin. Um, I'm from Malaysia and um, I travel around the world for my work. I work with an environmental NGO that supports other environmental NGOs. Um, we focus mainly in the global south. I'm always exposed to situations um, where I am the odd one out, someone of a different color or someone that sticks out like the sore thumb. And yeah, I guess that's why I'm here on today's panel to tell you guys a little bit about some of the experiences I've had. Kia ora koutou, Renisha Aho. Uh, my name's Renisha Shivagni Chand. A lot of people can't pronounce my first name and my middle name, um, but that's a story for another time. Um, I've been involved with Shakti Community Council since I was about 15 years old. It's an NGO in New Zealand um, that supports, um, I like to call them survivors of domestic violence. Um, and, you know, we provide legal services, refugee houses, um, so forth and so on. In my personal space, I work quite closely with our Girmit community um, in New Zealand. So alongside um, my, I guess, my activism, um, I have a personal history um, being taken from India to Fiji. My ancestors were taken um, under that Girmit indentured labor system. Um, so I think activism is something that I um, carry since I was a little kid. So that's a little bit about me. Thank you. Yeah. Hi, I'm Stephanie Balog. I run Beauty of Shades on social media, um, which is mainly a beauty and motherhood uh, blog. And I also work part-time in marketing, which is an organization about women and diversity. And in my spare time, I also work for, do charity work for um, a charity called Beer Necessaries Charity, um, which is an organization that helps mums in need. Uh, kia ora. Uh, so, called Sabine Sanas, welcome to Toka Ingwa. Um, so, born in Lanka, raised in Aotearoa. For my, my work, I work as a community support worker for an organization called Kahui Tukaha, which is a housing and mental health um, service that's iwi run. And then also, I co founded with some friends uh, Duality that um, aims to bridge, I guess, the Papa Papa that runs in our bloodlines 
as Lankans um, within Aotearoa, but uh, as well as honouring the whakapapa of the whenua or the land that has nurtured our upbringing. So yeah, that's a little bit of background about myself. Kura, uh, namaste and bulavanaka. Uh, my name is Tanisha, um, born and raised in Tamaki Makoto, but my family is Fijian Indian. Um, so similar to Renisha, my ancestors are part of the Dimmuth community as well. Um, I am a registered counsellor um, here in Aotearoa. Um, and yeah, racism, colorism, discrimination, they have all impacted me quite a lot um, growing up in New Zealand and are probably part of the reason when I think about it now uh, that I entered the field of counselling in mental health when I was young and I went looking for a counsellor. There were no counsellors of colour. There were no people of colour who were counsellors and they didn't understand my experiences when I tried to explain a lack of belonging um, and connection. So um, yeah, I'm really excited about this this conversation and thank you Abby for putting putting this together. Thank you, everyone, for your awesome introduction. Let's get into it. When and how did you learn the word colorism? Anna, we will start with you. I am not sure is <laughs> my answer. I think it's uh, as a particip- active participant of learning and unlearning of all the conditioned thinking and bringing up that I had, whether it's racism, sexism, patriarchy, uh, along the line, uh, just like other strange words like toxic masculinity or white splaining or gaslighting. It's one of those things while I was learning or talking to people is the one that I, you know, came across. And as soon as you came across it, it's like, wow, that makes sense. Uh, is I think how I would explain it because I, I can't remember a particular time when I learned it uh, because all of those things it was my active um, search that led to where I am now there was no formal learning or somebody telling me that so uh, it's it's through the process somewhere that I learned it uh, and even shadism I didn't realize there's a colorism and shadism are very synonymous until recently actually Amalyn I would say uh, when did I realize this I think it was quite young, um, maybe not in the exact word of colorism and shadism, but definitely the realization of the difference. Um, I think I was maybe six or seven, a very young age, because everyone around me was slightly fairer, um, as in like my family members or things like this, because I used to be out in the sun a lot uh, and things like this. And it wasn't just like those specific words of like, you're going to be darker, but it was more towards like, you're darker than your cousin, you're darker than your like, so that comparison, I think from a young age, definitely not healthy. And similar to what Anna mentioned, like coming and learning or unlearning all these um, weird pedagogies and styles and things that have been indoctrinated into us, like from marketing and from the media. Um, yeah, it took a while to unlearn. And also like along that process, you know, coming to realize, oh, there's actually a term and a word that describes what I felt uh, my whole life. When exactly I learned the word colorism, no idea, but the feeling that's something uh, from a long time. Ranisha. Thank you, Abby. Um, again, similar to um, Emmeline and Anna, I think our society embeds colorism as practices. So growing up, I knew what was happening to me in terms of, you know, having lighter shade clothes in my closet um, compared to my sisters because she was more fairer. Um, but as a, as a um, concept with definition, I think it was only 
in the last couple of years when I started actually learning more about my activism and the journey. And I think that's the gap between um, understanding why our community don't recognize these as problems because how embedded it is um, and how less we talk about because the lack of information and knowledge about it. So a lot of us, I, I think, um, did the learning about it ourselves and realized how wrong it is only by actively participating in fields after having experiences. So experiences were put on, on us beforehand. So I think colorism, um, yeah, I came across it as a concept very recently, but um, experiences from a very, very young age. Stephanie. Well, the term colorism actually came across by you, Abby, when you did your first exhibition. Um, I mean, of course, I knew the differences and the struggles people of different shade go through, but the term itself, I learned it through you. It's, it makes a lot of sense after having a term put to it instead of being like growing up, you realize this, there is nothing wrong with your skin color, but there is something wrong, but you don't know what it is. And that term actually sums up everything and made sense to me. My, my whole life made sense to me. Savine. Yes. When it comes to colorism, I love the concept of language creating accountability. So instead of people saying racism, it's more hang on, colonial white supremacy uh, instead of sexism, hang on, patriarchal systems. And I think it was very similar to Stephanie where when a term like colorism is now applied and like just used in language, um, it just creates a different sense of accountability within communities where even if you say it within a sentence at a family dinner within your friends, it just plants this extra dynamic because growing up, you would have it's almost two things of colorism where a lot of us would be the odd ones out there within if we grew up in um, predominantly Pakeha spaces, but then also within our own communities and what we'd observe there. So it was just observing those two things and then having that uh, language attached to it. I think Stephanie said you're just like light bulb moment. So that's it for me. Tanisha. I think for me, like, yeah, it's not something I learned about like necessarily formally. I think similar to Renisha in terms of the experiential learning, like I knew it was happening to me, like within the Fijian Indian community um, as well, like your weight or the color of your skin are the first things that are ever noticed about you or discussed um, and there's no filter and how you get that feedback is pretty cutting um, and I think I've experienced that since I was really, really young in terms of don't go outside your skin will get dark you know cover up those types of things and I think it's one thing to be made fun of or discriminated against because you're brown like from you know outside of your community but then to be discriminated against within your community for the particular shade of brown that you are that's a whole nother level of carrying this, what feels like a burden, you know, of your skin color, like not being able to feel safe almost in your skin from outside of your community or within your community. And I think that's how I understood colorism. Um, and it's only sort of later as an adult, I learned the word and actually that there's a name for what this process is that I've been experiencing pretty much my whole life. Those were really, really eye-opening and amazing answers. Thank you so much for that. It was actually only very recently that I Googled what colorism was, and I'll read to you what it says on Google. Colorism, a term believed to be first coined in 1982 by Pulitzer Prize winner Alice Walker, was defined by her to mean prejudice or preferential treatment of same race people based solely on their color. It is not racism, although there is a clear relationship. 
So the next question I have for you guys, I am going to go into it with a quote from Ranisha's essay from Melanin Rising. Ranisha said, I grew up watching a lot of Bollywood movies. Often, you will not see leads who are dark-skinned. I would rarely see a dark-skinned actress. If there were any, they ended up being oiled and sexualized rather than being taken seriously. Almost always, they take up negative roles in movies too. Many songs were also about being a fair-skinned beauty or male singers considering gory as a way to describe desirable women. My next question to you, panel, is... Do you see a shift in how pop culture is representing dark-skinned personalities? And what was media representation like for you growing up? Anna, we'll start with you. I want to agree to everything wholeheartedly what Renisha says. So <laughs> Bollywood, uh, which uh, part of it is is the Tamil movies, is exactly the same. And you would know until recently, there was an actual literal white woman playing Tamil woman <laughs> in Tamil movies. Uh, Amy Jackson, her name was. Um, she's an actual British white person, uh, woman. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and sometimes they they also do brown faces, reticulous um, as well. And as recently as this, um, there was a very famous director's movie coming out. Oh, this month, September, I think, end of September, Ponin Selvan, which um, uh, had a poster preprint uh, for the for the movie. Uh, it presented uh, this princess Kundavai, uh, who's a light skin. Who uh, in the it, it's based on a very famous uh, historical novel. Uh, and behind her are these dark skinned, very dark skin. There's no reason in the poster to show them at all uh, as support support women. I'm not really sure why they they there's no reason to to present a princess. You don't need these supported dark-skinned girls in the background at all. It's very um, revealing. Uh, this happened like literally a month ago. <laughs> um, anyway, uh, nowadays, uh, growing up, my parents were strange in a different way. <laughs> we grew up in war in Sri Lanka. My parents were busy. Both were working. We didn't have a lot of TV. I mean, I didn't have TV majority of the time I grew up. And we uh, didn't have a lot of media present, I think, uh, in Sri Lanka while I was growing up. Not a lot. So I didn't think a lot about whether I see myself in TV because it, I, I don't think so subconsciously maybe, but I personally didn't until obviously I came here and I was watching lots of Tamil movies. Then it don't turn me. And also, you know, seeing very much, and like Renisha said, the songs and stuff that talks about how a, a heroine is white skin. But nowadays I watch... Uh, pretty much everything. I am more uh, more knowledgeable in kid stuff than adult stuff, I think. So I love uh, Miss Marvel, for example, who's the first Pakistani uh, superhero. We love, we watched it, you know, um, uh, and uh, Bridgerton, which is not a kid show, but I love Simone Ashley and Sharita Chandran, you know, uh, and they're not damsel in distress. They are bold. They are their own people. Um, even though you know it, it, it has lots of other things uh, wrong with the, with that thing. You know, um, it's a period drama. However, the portrayal of dark skinned um, 
two dark-skinned women who are intelligent, who are bold, were pretty cool, actually, to, to see. Um, and uh, my kids and I watch a lot of, uh, I think, yeah, it's, it depends on, for my kids, I try my best to expose them to different personalities. Like we watch lots of Trevor Novas together, uh, Hassan Minyaj, Amir Rahman, you know, uh, when, and there's this really cool uh, snippet of uh, Trevor Noah doing a stand-up comedy about colonization. <laughs> and my kids love it. So whenever, like before going to bed, they would be like, can we watch like few minutes of something? <laughs> and they would always ask for that. We watch that little series. It's like five minutes long, like zillion times, where he talks, he imagines how it would have been like when British first landed in India. <laughs> it was amazing. Uh, yeah. Anyway, so I think it is definitely changing in a sense. It's not just a brown person um, put there uh, as a stereotype, you know, character rather than um, like in I haven't watched Never Have I Ever. Uh, there's also Maitreyi Ramakrishnan um, with uh, Mindy Kaling. I, I haven't, yeah, I haven't watched it, um, but uh, I think she's also coming up as a, just like the Miss Marvel uh, character as a authentic South Asian immigrant person. Uh, and that's pretty cool for kids to see. Um, yeah, so what I wrote in my essay, this is not exactly the same as what I wrote in my essay, this is a bit more specific. Um, for me growing up, I don't know if you guys know about superstar Rajnikanth. Um, he actually first started off as a villain um, in Bollywood movies really, really way back. Like my dad um, brought me into like the world of Rajini fandom uh, at a young age. And I used to watch these old movies of his where he was always the villain and they were black and white movies, yes. But he just somehow seemed darker in those movies compared to uh, his actual skin tone. And when they started realizing that he could act, um, they started putting more effort into like uh, presenting him as a fairer skinned person. He started being in color movies and things like this. Again, this is that like a really long time ago when that shift of like color TV and black and white happened, because that really changed a lot for um, especially people of color like ourselves um, because of how film captures us. Even like there's a lot of issues with like how the standard RGB colors work towards um, those of our skin tone, um, especially like early days of film, how like those of color like really look darker um, compared to their fair skin counterpart. But yeah, for me, like growing up, seeing that was just weird. Always people who were the similar skin tone to myself were always placed as like villains, the bad guys. It was weird to see suddenly Rajni, who used to look really dark in these black and white films, suddenly be this fair uh, Indian man who's like the lead of every movie that was coming out. And it was amazing to see him change and being represented differently just because of the color of uh, the skin that appeared on TV. But yeah, that, that that disparity, I still see that like in today's media, you still see a lot of movies where it's black guy or the Indian man or like the Muslim man with a beard or something like this is like discriminated against, is pushed into like these terrible um, characters and roles, which are problematic. But at the same time, like it's really a space for um people of color to be able to express themselves and like, you know, 
there's that from there, then they go on to leading roles, etc. It's terribly flawed and terribly disgusting for me personally to, to have to, you know, fight for our way through this channel. But at the same time, like le- like leaps and strides ahead, we've come in, in some areas as well. Someone I was seeing told me about Never Have I Ever. It was a chick flick, um, not say chick flick, but like a teenage drama sort of thing, which I don't like to watch generally. I just started 10 minutes. I was hooked. Like the mother character, oh my God, that was my mom. Like, um, <laughs> like you know, you drop your book on the floor, you got to take it back to Samira and get it blessed again. Like, oh yeah, we, we've had that. Like, you know, hearing, seeing that representation on media is just so beautiful. Like, it was so nice. Like, I can like, that, that, that's me. You don't believe I said my mom like that last time. Ah, you go and see her, like this lady on this show, that's that's my mom. <laughs> so yeah, it was, it's nice um, to hear, see, feel more of this in media nowadays compared to what I had growing up in the 90s and early 2000s. Because we've come a long way, but it wasn't that long ago at the same time. So audience, um, because we're all on mute, you missed all of the laughter with Amalyn's answer. But Ranisha, I'll go to you next. Amalyn, that was epic. Firstly, a lot of acknowledgement for you. <laughs> um, and then uh, with the question, I think Anna and I started this conversation at the night of the exhibition um, opening uh, in Devonport. And I think I went in with no idea who Mindy Kaling is. Um, and I think we had a mutual sort of um, mutual sort of conversation there that who who she is. And then I um, came back home, I did a little bit of research and I realized how important her role is in, for representation. Um, but then I also reflected on my personal journey a little bit. And because I had not necessarily a bad experience with Bollywood, but just a really unrelatable experience, um, never was my skin um, shown as desirable, never was my skin um, showed as um, something that should be appreciated and you see these trends being followed in our communities so I kind of had like a frenemy relationship with Bollywood from a very young age and because of that I never enjoyed Bollywood movies as much um, and in TV drama and TV shows even in movies something that I always craved and I looked for was reality or just authenticity or just being real um that's why I really got drawn towards um crime documentaries because they do a really good job at um you know ensuring that people that are playing the roles are the most sort of like closely represented and that sort of stood out to me because that was the most closest I could get to reality my skin tone being represented in the most nicest way um and then the second thing that I really, really enjoyed watching in TV drama was Christmas movies. So Christmas movies, a lot of the time they had a um, black leading lady or Indian leading lady who had darker skin. And unfortunately, even though it was Hollywood, um, they actually had a good representation of showing real skin um, and darker skin tone as leading ladies. So that always like, you know, even if it's March or February, just after Christmas, I, I really enjoyed watching Christmas movies. So that was that's my sort of experience. And if you tell if you sit down and talk to me about a Bollywood movie the first thing I end up asking and I think it's my bias is um who's the leading lady or who's the who's the who's the um you know the hero and who's the villain and um as soon as I hear some names I was like nah that's not gonna be gonna be for me you guys go ahead waste your money on it (laughs) um but that's been sort of my experience with pop culture or just the just the um representation of like Bollywood and all those um jazzy things so yeah that's me Thank you. 
Stephanie? Since I grew up in New Zealand, um, yeah, I did have that little bit of that Tamil movie side that I could kind of relate to. But as Anna said, they were very fair-skinned and most of them weren't Tamil themselves. So, um, but the growing up on Western TV, there was no representation of someone that looked like me until maybe my late teens or early 20s when of course it was Mindy Kaling and when I first saw her in the office and then when she that was actually my first time I saw an Indian person represented in Hollywood and maybe Heroes there was an Indian guy there I can't remember his name but he was also Tamil and then Mindy Kaling started her own show and it became so big got popular from there and then she became a director and she really opened up opportunities for people like us to be seen on TV especially going like other people who are growing up in New Zealand and my children who will grow up in New Zealand or wherever um seeing people that look like them and that's something huge and even I like fangirl when I see someone like me is like but I haven't seen Bridgerton but when I do I mean, I've talked about it with my husband and he doesn't understand it. <laughs> the excitement it is to see someone in your color, someone that looks like you, to represent you. Um, the, yeah, I can't even explain the excitement. It's like my inner child coming through. Um, so yeah, so definitely someone like Mindy Kelly really is impacting the television and movie industry um, for the Western world, especially. But it's for... South Asian media, I think that still has a long way to go, unfortunately. And because of that, um, I gave up watching it because I it's so toxic for me um, that they're not willing to understand or still learn that skin colour is not an issue. It's beauty. It's what makes us all unique. It's what makes us all beautiful as well. And that's something I think it's going to take a while for them to learn or get there. But people like us in the Westerns growing up and living in the Western society, at least we're creating change for our future generation through our children and through voices like yours, Abby. Um, at least they'll grow up with um, fair-skinned people knowing they don't have to worry about their skin colour. They don't have to worry about their skin colour to be accepted, to feel beautiful. Um, so, yeah, to answer the question, yeah, definitely. It's definitely shifting and in a positive way, and hopefully it stays positive. Stephanie, um, you run Beauty of Shades mm. and you are really across the beauty and makeup scene and the skincare scene in Aotearoa, mm -hmm. New Zealand. And I was very curious to know, what have you noticed about the advertising of makeup and skincare products in Aotearoa, New Zealand? And do you see any particularly catered to dark skin? Not often. No, not often. Like very rarely do I see some representation, but mostly, but I think it's, you know, money talks, right? So from my, you you, you study marketing too. So of course they're going to try and get the most money out of what they can advertise and connect to most. And that's a shame because there are people like myself who I struggle to find my shade of skin makeup and things that work for my skin and not just um, foundations, but lipsticks and eyeshadow, they all look different on different skin tones. But when I'm looking for something I struggle to find, when, and I do buy some things, but it doesn't pop on my skin colour as it does for someone who has fair skin. So they're missing out. The marketing in New Zealand is really missing out an opportunity to make sales with people of skin colour and showing representation. But um, at saying that, there are people, I mean, I haven't seen anyone come in my radar who was focusing on dark skin, but outside of New Zealand, you know, I see like Rihanna who started Fenty Beauty 
you know, all shades, not just dark skin, but I appreciate that there's all shades and inclusion involved with her skin range and makeup range. And then have you heard of Live Tinted? I haven't. So that is, can't remember her full name, but her name's Deepika. She was an influencer and she also did marketing. And then she started her own business because she saw there's a need for makeup line for dark skin people and she's also got sunscreen line um so people people of color are seeing that there's an issue and there's a market for people like us so they're the one creating change but unfortunately i haven't seen anyone come in my radar in new zealand yet and hopefully that may change in the future but i guess we are such a small country as well um things are quite expensive here i do understand there may be that issue too I feel like we should come back to that topic because I saw a lot of heads nodding to that one. Mm. And um, Ranisha, I particularly liked how you said in the chat, I am the darkest shade in a lot of mainstream cosmetic brands like Revlon. So I feel like we'll come back to that after we get to Savine and Tanisha. So Savine, I'll come to you now with the pop culture question. Do Do you see a shift in how pop culture is representing dark skinned people and what was media representation like for you growing up? I guess when it comes to media representation, um, a lot of my media consumption, just because, you know, I'm just a, a basic sports person. So cricket was huge for me. And I guess a lot of the commentary around uh, the community, dinner tables, etc., cetera, uh, which players were, you know, oh, he's so fair and handsome. And, uh, and I was like, yeah, but what about how they play, you know, <laughs> um, in terms of just commentary in general, right? And has that changed? A little bit. I think when we look at, say, the team and how people kind of commentate on players, it's changed a little bit. But in terms of media representation, growing up, I used to watch in uh, Sinhalese Telenapia. It's like, so it's like, you know, dramas or just, you know, things that are happening around. And comic relief often would look a lot like me. And I was reflecting on perhaps how that may have affected my own behavior within the classroom of just becoming and assimilating into the expectation of being the comic relief um, and not being taken seriously. And in terms of, say, now I think of, you know, characters I look up to like Marty, uh, <laughs> you know, someone, I don't know, who I saw like that energy and that vibrancy and I was quite drawn to it in terms of say like how it's changed. You obviously see like a lot of more representation now, but there's definitely more opportunity for that nuance that I feel only we could provide, right? Within people who have experienced it, who have lived it and breathed it, there's that extra layer of nuance that is yet to perhaps be um, explored within media. So can't wait for that but it's good to see that progress. Thank you, Suveen. Tanisha? Yeah, similar to Renisha and Anna, I think like with Bollywood movies, I that was my first representation of just even South Asians. Um, and they, you know, their skin is just like white and porcelain-like. And I was like, how do you even look like this and call yourself part of this South Asian diaspora? So it's going to sound really dumb, but the first time I saw someone dark-skinned, was Apu from The Simpsons. You know, that was my first concept of someone who was a dark-skinned personality on screen as a kid. And you know, his his whole thing is very stereotypical, you know, and made a mockery of. And, you know, all of these 
things that I guess you know like I just I think I said with a lot of shame around that like that's what is represented globally of people of this of the South Asian community um and that was kind of the first time I saw someone and it was a cartoon character um I think the first time I felt proud to see someone of a darker skin tone was actually um, Parminda Nagra, who played Jess on Bend It Light Beckham. And when I saw her on screen, I was like, hey, there's someone who's Indian and actually looks Indian. Like, what is that? Like, it was such a novel, you know, it was such a novel concept. And I just felt so proud because not only was she a brown person who was looked brown and wasn't like all made up but she was playing sports she was an athlete she was you know part of the rainbow like rainbow community exploring her sexuality on screen and just doing all these groundbreaking things and I was just like this is like I love this but you know that was kind of like one person and, and within like a decade um of who I saw and I think now you know we see yeah um like Anna said as well we see Simone Ashley Chandran um we see Mindy Kaling on screen and so there's definitely a shift um but I would also like to see us move away from just representation and actually people in positions of like influence so we're not just brown spaces you know brown faces and white spaces I mean we're you know valued for what we bring to the table not just falling into the trap of tokenism I guess because I think there is a risk that that could happen as well absolutely tokenism was the word I was thinking of when I was listening to all of your answers Apu from the Simpsons Hank Azaria I think is the name of the actor and he launched a formal apology not long ago for his representation as Apu and how that has affected brown communities because we were seen as the butt of the joke totally yeah Thank you all for your answers. And um, Anna, particularly Trevor Noah, and after I read his book especially, which was really, really beautifully written, but it's been good to have his presence in this space as well because it is helping shift the narrative. That's it for part one of the Melanin Rising Colorism panel talk. In part two, we will take a closer look at how the marketing of makeup and skincare has affected the way we see ourselves, and my panel discuss their experiences with skin lightening products. To view Melanin Rising, head on over to loveyourmelanin.com.